Well, good morning. I confess the awkwardness of the moment uh, lies primarily in the fact that normally I can see on Sunday mornings when uh, people are falling asleep when I preach. So today we're going to have to operate on the honor system. Please stay awake as we look at God's Word. I will tell you I am humbled by the sovereignty of God that is seen in our scripture reading today. Months ago, uh, Bob and I walked through and planned our sermon series, Ruin to Restoration, the second half of the book of Isaiah. We had no idea that our city and that our country, and even in our world, would be at the state that it is in today. We will be studying the shalom that comes in restoration, the peace that is found in God's work, in God's person alone. God has indeed gone before us, and this morning he wants to speak to us in his word. If you would open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 57, as you turn there, I will remind you that the prophet is speaking to a people who are in ruin. They are struggling in exile. They are devastated. They are afraid. They are uncertain of what the future holds. In the central premise of our series, uh, a twist of, of Psalm 115, verse 8, very applicable to this section of Isaiah, is that what we revere in our ruin, that is, what we worship, will either further the ruin or lead us to a place of restoration. Therefore, we must turn from the idols of our heart and the idols of our culture and turn to our living God, worshiping Him alone with all of our hearts. Today, we will see that peace is found when we plug in to the promises of God, worshiping Him alone. Our hearts long for peace in these troubled times. We're going to see today that peace comes only from a sovereign God. And peace comes only to a humble heart. And peace evades those who avoid the Lord. Please join me in reading Isaiah 57, verses 14 to 21. Hear the word of the Lord. And it shall be said, build up, build up and prepare the way. Remove every obstruction from my people's way. For thus says the Holy One who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly, to revive the heart of the contrite. For I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry, for the spirit would grow faint before me in the breath of life that I made." Because of the iniquity of his unjust gain, I was angry. I struck him. I hid my face and was angry. But he went on backsliding in the way of his own heart. I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will lead him and restore and comfort him and his mourners, creating the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to the far, peace to the near, says the Lord, and I will heal them. But the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says God, for the wicked. All flesh is grass, and all its glory is like the flowers of the field. 
The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Before we study the word of the Lord, please join me in turning into the Lord of the word for prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. You are our shepherd. You have gone before us and you want to speak to us now. We ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you'd remove the distractions of our hearts, remove the distraction of the one who speaks. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive. Lord, there is a weight of the seriousness of COVID-19. The sickness that surrounds us, the sadness of those that have already been lost. Lord, we need to know your sovereignty. We need the power of the gospel. We pray, Lord, for wisdom and that you would speak to us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The question of this passage and the question for us today is this. Do you have the peace of God? The final verses of our reading today in verse 21 says that there is no peace for the wicked. If you were to go back to the beginning of chapter 57, you would see that there is peace for the righteous. So much so that when they lay down, they have peace. I wonder this morning, do you have peace? Scripture offers a promise of peace to those who belong to him. Paul says in Philippians 4, verse 7, that in Christ Jesus, we can have a peace that surpasses all understanding. Do you want this peace? Do you have this peace? My wife and I have a friend who is responding to the current situation through gathering all of the supplies that she thinks she's going to need. For over a week, she has been buying toilet paper every place that she can. She knows in her head that buying a high volume of toilet paper is not really going to help her, but in her heart, she cannot stop buying toilet paper. She sends her family to go buy toilet paper. She buys toilet paper on the way to work and on the way home from work. She's bought some disinfectants as well. But she has so much toilet paper in her house that she had to create a path in her walk-in closet between the stacks of toilet paper that come above her waist and below her shoulders. That's a lot of toilet paper. At some point, I'm just going to say it, uh, stop buying toilet paper and start buying diapers if that's how this crisis is going to affect you. But many of you might say, that's not a bad idea. I need to store up some toilet paper myself. But If I use the example of milk, you would not think that. If I told you that our friend was so anxious that she was buying gallons and gallons of milk on the way to work, on the way home to work, sending her family out to buy milk, gallons of milk, so many gallons of milk that she has to create a path between the walls of the gallons of milk in her walk-in closet. You would say, Mitchell, why would anyone do that? Milk has an expiration date. Milk needs to be refrigerated. It is no help at all. You see, when we put our hope in the wrong place and we see it objectively, then we see that our struggle for peace is ridiculous. The the weight of this passage is that our sovereign God gives us promises and the only place that will not expire are the promises of God. And we have the opportunity to plug in to his power, the power of his promises for peace. You see, that distance between our head and our heart, it's a far distance. We want to honor our authorities during this season and practice social distancing. 
It's the best way that we can love our city, to try to slow down the virus and the contagious nature therein. But we cannot afford to have spiritual distance. That is a distance between our hearts and our faith and the promises of God that we have in Jesus Christ. Yes, we need to be prepared. Yes, we need to be wise. But we must be a people who plug in our faith to the only power that can really give us peace. And that's the promises of God. We need milk. I eat grape nuts every morning. If you have ever had grape nuts without milk, then you know it's like chewing gravel, caliche. You don't want to do it. We need our milk. But milk expires. Milk has a place. What we really need are the unchanging, ever-available promises of God. Peace only comes from our sovereign God. Look at the passage with me this morning. Verse 15. How sovereign is our God? He is high. He's lifted up. He inhabits eternity, and he is holy. God came before this crisis. He is above this crisis. He rules over this crisis. He will be after this crisis. He is sovereign. He's the one that Paul says is working all things according to the counsel of his will. He is the one who is described as working all things for the good of those who belong to Christ Jesus. He is, he is the one who is described as taking what the enemy intends for evil and working it for good. He is sovereign over all and working through all. He's the sovereign one who rules from heaven, but he's also the sovereign one who is intimately with his people. Look at the end of verse 15. Not only is he in heaven, but he is with those who have a contrite heart and lowly spirit. Our God is with us. Emmanuel, the Prince of Peace, is in our present. He is infinite over all, but he is intimate in our lives. He's the sovereign one who, verse 16, says he will restore those who turn to him. He's the sovereign one who, in verse 17, says he rebukes those who reject him. Our sovereign God is the only source of power for the peace that we are looking for. Are you plugged into him? We prioritize plugging our devices into power, don't we? Every day, we plug in our phones, sometimes multiple times a day. There's some people that even carry an extra power source for their phone on their person. Can you imagine? That's crazy. We prioritize plugging in our computers. We live in San Antonio, Texas, and we better hope that as summer comes, our air conditioning systems are plugged into power. Our refrigerators got to be plugged in. How much more? our faith plugged into the only one who gives us the promises that do not expire and can give us the peace that we desire how do we know what it means to be plugged into this power from the promises of a sovereign god i want to give you an acronym you'll see it on our screen just kidding we're live think of the word plug p l u g first to plug into the power of God's promises, we've got to be a people who pray. We've got to be a people who get alone in our closet with the Lord. We've got to be a people who cultivate the inner secret 
place that we have with the Lord Jesus. We are a church who prays. It's not an accident that as we as a congregation are praying for our city and for our nation through this time of Lent, praying for our city, that we're experiencing this level of crisis. We must be a people who pray individually. We must be a people who pray corporately. If you haven't gotten this, we ask that you go to our website. You can download our prayer guide. And it's no accident that today, March 15th, the theme verse is from Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. The son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. We must be a people who pray. You'll also find on the website a way to sign up for our 24-hour prayer visual on March 24th. Please join us in praying. Not only do we need to pray, we need to listen. P is for pray, L is for listen. We listen to the Lord. We listen to his promises. We listen to his word. We allow our hearts to be shaped by the Lord and his promises. P, pray. L, listen. U, unplug. You gotta unplug from the unwise and unhealthy ways that you're being shaped. It's okay to read headlines, but if you're watching six hours of news a day, then you're going to have some heart problems. You're going to be discouraged. We've got to unplug from the unhealthy influences, the unwise influences, and grab onto, gaze on Jesus. You see, we're in the midst of a storm, and when you're in a storm, we've got to realize that Jesus Christ is in the boat with us. The wind and the waves still hear his voice and know his name. Pray, listen, unplug, and grab onto the promises of Jesus. Gaze upon Jesus who is with us. Plug into the power of God's promises for true peace. Yesterday, I had a phone call with a woman who has been tested for COVID-19. You can imagine the temptation to panic. You can imagine that someone who already has severe respiratory infection awaiting to see if she has this virus has a real temptation to panic. I was humbled by this woman. She was not panicking because she had peace. And I realized that the, the distance between panic and peace is really plugging in to our sovereign God and his promises because he alone can give us the peace that we long for. She was not worried about what might happen to her because she knows the promises of God. She was not worried if the doctors would be able to to bring her healing. She's hopeful for it, and we prayed for it, but she had a peace that surpassed understanding. In Christ Jesus, her heart was guarded because she closed the gap between panic and peace by plugging in to the promises of our sovereign God. I'm reminded of the Heidelberg Catechism. Question number one, what is your only hope in life and in death? It is that we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and in death, to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He's fully paid for all of our sins with his precious blood, and he has set us free from all the power of the devil. He also preserves us in such a way that without the will of our Heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from our heads. Indeed, all things must work together for our salvation. Therefore, by His Holy Spirit, 
he also assures us of eternal life and makes us heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. We have peace when we plug into the promises of God. But peace only comes from a sovereign God and it only comes to those who have a humble heart. Uh, Quickly, if you look at the end of 15, God is not with everyone. He is with those who have a contrite heart and a lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly. To be contrite is to be penitent. It is to understand that we need to be cleansed. It is to be remorseful of our sin, knowing that God is high and lifted up and he is holy. We recognize that our hearts have gone to other things looking for what only God can give us. We must be cleansed by God's grace. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been washing my hands and purelling my hands more than I ever have in my life. Anytime I see a hand sanitizing station, I'm just, just purelling my hands. If I'm standing by one, last night I went to pick up some pizza uh, for our family from our favorite Italian place, and just I was in there for four minutes, and they had a hand sanitizer station there, and the, the man giving me the can, carryout order was just watching me, and I, I thought he even looked at me in a way that could give me the virus. I mean, I was just cleaning my hands and find myself being so paranoid, washing regularly, purelling my hands. To be uh, contrite in heart is to understand that in even a deeper way, our heart needs to be cleansed, to be washed by the blood of Jesus, that there's this constant gospel glistening, a cleaning that needs to be applied to our souls. Because we belong to God, we are free to confess that we look for milky things that have expiration date to satisfy our needs. And we can turn to the one who does not weaken or grow weary. He doesn't slumber or sleep, but he cares for us. The promises in this passage are clear. In verse 15, twice it's mentioned that our hearts and our spirits are revived. Do you need to be revived? We've got to remember that Jesus didn't come so that bad people can be made good. Jesus came so dead people can be made alive. And when the Spirit of God touches the heart of the people of God, we are revived and our hands are open to receive the promises of God and to carry His peace. But not only are we revived, verse 16, if you look at it, it says that we, with His Spirit, will not grow faint. We endure We stop, verse 17, we stop backsliding in our hearts. You see, that's a beautiful consequence, a a, a secondary casualty of consistent confession. That when we're honest with our sin and our need for the gospel, that our backsliding stops because the love of God that continues to show the grace and the forgiveness of God deepens our affection for the love of the one who even while we're still sinners, he died for us. Our affection grows, our backsliding stops. In verse 18, the promise is that there's healing, restoration, and comfort. Do you see that? What a promise. But at the crown jewel, at the top of this promise list of this passage is verse 19, repeated, there is peace. There is peace. Those who are far come near. Those who are near Open your hearts, a contrite heart, knowing, confessing that you need God's peace. Now, 
We have to be a people who receive peace in order to give peace. Uh, As Bob mentioned in his opening remarks this morning, we have an opportunity to really show love, but first we've got to receive love. I want to point you to two different resources that demonstrate how Christians throughout history have been a people who have advanced the gospel through showing the love of Jesus during times of sickness. The first is Rodney Stark. He wrote a book called The Rise of Christianity. And in this book, there is testimony after testimony of Christians who don't run from sickness, but they run to sickness. Healers who seek to be healed. Those who have been loved who seek to show love people who have experienced peace, seeking to create peace in their city. Also with this, uh, Michael Green wrote a book called Evangelism in the Early Church, which is, uh, has testimony after testimony of this same kind of evangelism, lives of love in times of crisis. But we can't show this love, we can't share this peace unless we know this love and personally have this peace. What are the promises of peace throughout Scripture? Well, I want to run through a few verses with you. If you have a pen, I want to encourage you to write them down. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, uh, the Apostle Paul is very clear that the spirit that lives inside of us bears the fruit of peace. Peace is a fruit of the spirit, and God's grace grows that fruit of peace. Peace is a gift of God, cultivated by God. But at the same time, it's a choice that the people of God make. Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, he commands that the peace of Christ rule in your heart. It's a choice that we make. That is, when anything else seeks to rule our hearts, we cast it off and make sure that the peace of Christ, the rule of the Prince of Peace, is on the throne of our hearts. What does this look like practically? Well, the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, that we cast our cares on the Lord. Anytime we're weighed down with our worries, we cast them on the Lord. Paul adds in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7, that with thankful hearts, we, with prayer and supplication, we make our requests known to God. We give God our anxieties. We receive his peace. We keep on the throne of our hearts him, the prince of peace, as his spirit works the fruit of peace in our lives. Psalm 29:11 reminds us that the Lord gives strength and he blesses his people with peace. Isaiah is a prophet of peace and all through this book, he makes promises of the, of the covenant of peace that cannot be removed, the peace that God gives through his work. But the climax of all the revelation of Scripture is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who in Matthew chapter 11 invites all who are weary, all who are anxious to come to him, to find rest in Christ alone and to experience his peace. In John 16, Jesus says, my teaching gives you peace. In John 14, 27, Jesus says, I came to give you peace. In my peace, I leave you. This is why in 2 Thessalonians 3, 16, uh, Jesus is described as the Lord of peace. He's the Prince of peace. And the benediction today will come from these verses in Romans 15, 13. May the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him 
so that you may overflow in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you have this peace? Have you seen the movie What About Bob? You remember this movie What About Bob? Bill Murray's character has anything but peace. He has an amazing high level of anxiety. He has obsessive compulsive disorder that is beyond any psychological category. And his psychiatrist tells him that he needs to take a vacation from his worries. And so Bill Murray tries to go to Lake Winnebasaki to get a vacation from his worries. And in the process, his anxiety and worries spill over and ruins everyone's vacation, creating chaos. We cannot take a vacation from our worries. Our anxiety and our fear will grow exponentially because of the unknown present and the uncertain future. We can only flatten that curve by plugging into the Lord's covenant faithfulness, his peace found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. With humble hearts, we come to him with open hands, washed in grace, turning to Christ, getting what only, from him what only he can give us, revival, endurance, an anchored hope with no backsliding, restoration, healing, and peace. Peace to those who are far off. Peace to those who are near. We must plug into Christ. We must plug into the promises of God. We must close the gap between panic and peace by plugging into God's promises. The last thing we see quickly is that peace evades those who avoid the Lord. Peace comes only from a sovereign God. Peace comes only to a humble heart. And peace evades those who avoid the Lord. Look at this passage with me. The wicked, these are people who avoid God, who reject him. It says that their lives are like a tossing sea, up and down, up and down, like the stock market. If your heart looks for hope and peace in the stock market, you will be like a tossing sea, up and down, no anchor. You will be tossed around. Secondly, it says, for it cannot be quiet. When you have no peace, all you hear is the noise of our culture. You're going up and down with constant noise of news outlets, of bloggers, of the loudest voice, telling you what to think, telling you how to feel, and there's no peace in that. We've got to plug into the promises of God. Third description of these folks that ignore and avoid the Lord is that the waters toss up mire and dirt. You're soaking wet and dirty. No one likes that. Anytime we're dirty, we want to be clean. Anytime we're wet, we want to be dry. There's no comfort and peace, just the chafing in life, and nobody wants that. If you do not turn to the Lord for peace, then you will be covered in wetness and in dirt. Finally, for those that do not come to the Lord, it says clearly, there is no real peace. All other hopes are like putting your trust in stacks of gallons of milk. It will expire. It's like trying to plug into a power source that will not last. We must turn to the Lord with all of our hearts. 
looking alone to him and his promises in wholehearted worship. The goodness of all that we long for, particularly peace, is found only in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Will you believe? Will you help me believe? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your sovereign rule and reign and the promise, the reality that you are with your people. Lord, we belong to you and in you there is peace and we ask that you'd give us faith and hope that we would hold on to you and seek your peace. Lord, we pray that your spirit would work peace in our lives, that we would be filled with hope and with joy and trust in you and that we might overflow in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to have faith, to plug into your promises. Lord, please bring your healing mercies to our hearts, to our city, to our land. For your glory and by your grace we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.